Living our cause. Janet Flynn moved to Marino in 1957. She tells us what it was like to live in Marino at that time. Well, when we moved here first, we were the youngest couple, certainly the youngest people in the cul-de-sac and maybe in the whole area because the people who had moved in here before us, who had, they had all had flats and they all had children and the reason they got these houses was because they had, their flat was too small for them now and their children. But by the time we moved in, you were allowed, the people were allowed to sell the house and we bought this house from a couple who were gone to live in England at the time. And one of the reasons we got this house, at that time, we used to all do the Novena of Grace. And when we, we saw the ad for this house in it, instead of putting St. Anthony Guide, Sean put St. Francis Xavier Guide. And it so happens that the woman that was selling the house also was doing the Novena of Grace. And she said it was the one letter that she picked out and she got in touch with us. So we actually came and paid 250 for the key of this house at the time. And which was an awful lot of money then, like, but uh, then when we came here to live, we were the only just barely, we were just married. So there were every other, every other house in the cul-de-sac all had children, children from the, some of them teenagers down to small, younger babies, you know. And at that time, there was neither a car, nor a fridge, nor a washing machine within the whole scheme. I don't think anyone had any of those kind of things, you know, so... Everybody either went down to the what used to be the laundrette to do their washing or else they washed on a scrubbing board in their own thing, wringing them out. The woman next door to us had a mangle, so she was well off, like she could mangle the water out, out of our clothes. And in the summertime, you always knew that it was coming to summer because every house, then the women in the evening time, would be sweeping the paths, like and sweeping the garden paths and uh, then... They'd stand with the brush in their hand and there'd be little groups all talking to each other. Women talked to each other and the kids played hurl or football or whatever in the middle of the cul-de-sac. Because there was no cars, there was no interruptions to their games or anything like that. And that went on every single summer. So that, that was the difference then, little by little. I think television changed everything, you know, because there was no televisions either, you know. But then little by little, an aerial would go up on a roof and you knew they had got television. Real, although it was all grainy and, and like a, if a car passed by or a truck or anything it would knock the picture off but nevertheless you could see somebody has a television and then they didn't come out to sweep the paths anymore like and all of that sort of changed as a result of that you know so little by little then I know the house that got the first car which was across the road from us and the second car was our car because Sean bought a car then, the second car into the cul-de-sac. And now houses have three and four cars each, like, and the parking is a huge problem. Janet told us about the shops in the area, beginning with what is now known as C&T Supermarket. That was there and it was a shop called McRedmond's. No relation to what C&T is now because you couldn't put anything outside because Dolan's, the people who... There was a family called Dolan's and there was a big house around in what's now Griffith Court. There was a huge house there and that was Dolan's house. And behind us was a farm. There was cattle and, and in like right at where those houses are now. We even used to have a corn crake who'd keep you awake in the night like, you know, with the, with the crake and all that, you know. It was totally different then. But also, yeah, MacRedmond's shop was there. But Dolan's shop was there 
and Dolan's had made some kind of an agreement with the with the I don't know with the corporation or something at the time that they were the only ones that were allowed to sell things like sweets and newspapers and anything to do with what they sold in their shop. None of the other shops could sell it. There was a butcher shop. There was a second grocer's up for where there's now where there's now a second butcher shop right up at the top. You nearly go in the one door to the hairdressers and to the butchers. That used to be a grocer's. And um, there, that they were there. That, those shops were there. We were lucky in Marino, you see, because the school was already there and the big church was already built. They'd already built Marino Church. And so the school and the church were, they were, were there all the time. And, uh, and as I said, like we used to go around to the shop in what's now Griffith Court. We used to go around there to buy vegetables from the farm. And one of the things like you always remember was Miss Dolan was our name, you know. And if you were buying potatoes, she'd take off as many as 10 potatoes to get the right size one to make sure that it was no longer than not one centimetre long over a, um, a half stone or whatever you were buying like that. You know, that they were as stingy with, with, <laughs> with our groceries. But we all went around there to buy them because they were definitely, had just been dug up out of the earth at the time, you know. Mm. And most of us at the same time had uh, stuff grown in our own gardens at the time, you know, because as soon as you moved in, you sort of, you sort of dug and planted your own garden. Mostly you would grow carrots and peas and um, just uh, veg, like veg and potatoes in the in the gardens, you know. And it was really a lovely area to raise a family, like, because, the, number one, it was really safe, like. So the kids all just played together and it was mostly in each other's back gardens all the time, like, you know, or else they'd be just in the cul-de-sac or down the other ring. Like, your kids were never out of your sight. Like, they were never that far gone that you didn't know where they were. And kids just played with each other. Like, there were simple games. Like, they were still playing skipping. They were still playing piggy beds. And they were still playing kick the can. At Halloween, still tying a string on a knocker to knock at each other's all doors and those kind of games. Like, you know, so it was a lovely place to rear the kids. And the kids were always good and safe and all that. Like, you know, the majority of them went to school in Marina. And not house, their kids went down to Fairview, you know, but that was more unusual, you know, so a part of it was always nice and good, yeah. I've only actually ever lived in two houses in my lifetime, like I lived in, my, in my, with my mother and father and like I've married and then moved in here, like so we've only ever lived in two houses, which is, is different as well, you know, but at home, like there was one, I was one of ten kids, like, you know, we had nine, had nine brothers and sisters in a house in Russell Avenue and which was great as well to move just this far away because I could al- we could always go back to visit my mum and we could always go because at that time if you wanted to visit them if you the kids in the pram you wheeled the pram up you walked up and if you got someone to mind the kids you got on your bike and you went up and saw them like that sort of way but they were always within distance because we didn't have any telephones even like at the time you know there was no there was no other communication only just go and see them get up and go and see them that was the only way you could keep in touch with your family at the time you know but we managed it fine somehow or another yeah janet tells us of hardships getting the house in shape when they first moved in we had no electricity in the house because the electricity had been cut off because the bills hadn't been paid like you know so we were in here for weeks until the because it took it took forever to do anything at that time you know and it took forever for to prove that we hadn't been the ones that had been using the electricity without paying for it, you know, all that. So we, I cooked for 
at least three months on a little primer stove out in the middle of the, the stone because it's a stone floor out there with no covering on it. I cooked the dinner on that little primer stove, pumping it up. You know, you used to have to pump it like to cook the dinner. And at that time, I had got a pressure cooker for a wedding present. And Terry Wogan's wife at the time had been using a pressure cooker that exploded. And it was, everyone was saying how dangerous it was to be using the pressure cooker. But you could put, you know, where you could put the vegetables and potatoes all in separate compartments so you could cook the dinner all together. So if you have a primus and a pressure cooker, that's what you're going to do, you know. John worked in the post office. And at that time, he a lot of the shifts that he worked in, he'd be working until 12 o'clock at night. And the daytime was all right because there was always kind of things to do in the in the daytime. But we had all we had was one small little radio at the time because there was no other thing. But from the time the evening came, and especially the first winter that we were in the house, the quietness of the house used to get to me because, because I'd lived in the house with all the noise and the, there was never a minute that somebody wasn't shouting at somebody, do you know? And I used to notice the quietness that that would have been the the main difference like you know how quiet the house was mostly the best or the only time you got entertainment was when you could get somebody to mind the kids and you go to the pictures like but like entertainment wasn't the same then as it is now like you entertained yourself like I always sewed like I was a sewer all the time so every single stitch of clothes that the kids wore was always were always handmade and I knit as well too so you the biggest thing you could get was a new wool and the hope that you'd have that you wouldn't run out of wool before you had another few bob to get another bit of wool to finish the jumper or whatever you were doing, you know. And we seemed to just be content with doing those kind of things. Like it never dawned on us that we should be, well, certainly never dawned on me that I should be entertained in any way, like, you know. So it was all that, that would have got, by the time the kids were gone to bed at night. You'd be glad to sit down and do your bit of knitting and listen to it. At that time we had the radio and you'd listen to a radio play, which I always loved, like a radio play, because you could put your own characters on them and all that. Like I think in lots of ways television took away a load of imagination. The girls always played mothers and stuff like, you know, they'd have their dolls and their dolls' prams. And especially because I sewed, I always had little bits of material, you know, so they could always have, they'd have be sitting around doing their little bits of sewing and swapping prams beads and things like that. I remember one particular incident of when my two girls were, I had two girls first and then two boys and they were sitting out in the hall with their with the other kids and they were all looking at their beads like every child, little girl would have had a box of beads of some description and they were all looking at beads and they might swap wee beads with each other and my eldest girl started crying and she was crying and crying and crying. I was, well what's wrong with you? Like you know Aileen is after swallowing my bead. That was her younger sister was after swallowing our bead. <laughs> and I went, it's all right, it's all right. It won't do her any harm. I don't care. It was my favourite bead. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I thought she was crying because she was worrying about her. <laughs> she was crying because she was after swallowing our favourite bead. <laughs> so that was the kind of thing. But they were always... There was all, they, they really did amuse themselves for hours and hours about things like that, you know. The boys would have always, they would have had got uh, cowboy suits and guns and stuff like that for Christmas. So there was always, always those kind of games, you know. Mm. They'd be playing running round in circles, you know. 
it was always boys were always kicking balls as well too like you know the problem was if you broke windows like you'd be in trouble for breaking a window Janet's husband Sean shares one of his memories of the area one thing I do remember clearly was looking out the back bedroom window one morning and see a fox walking up to on top of the wall just at the back garden a beautiful sight gorgeous the sun beaming, beaming down on him so where the hell did that come? And they used to come regularly then. You say, is he out there now this morning, you know? I tell you, he had a den somewhere, you know, you know. Because there are huge fields there in Rossmini, right behind us. And there were no houses or anything or all like that, you know. It was a lovely spot. Janet shared one of her memories of the area. Well, at the, one of the things that used to be great, Jordan, the, um, the, when the, the, the kids made their first Holy Communion, was always there was always a Holy Communion um, parade, you know where the children would all go in there. It was a great excuse to wear the, the girls to wear their dresses again, you know, and they get all dressed up, or the boys as well, of course, and start at Marino School, walk up Griffith Avenue, into Annadale Drive, around the drive and round the Crescent and back out onto the thing and go down there. Like, you know, they were always a great bit of... And would it be like... A May procession, you know, and mm. they'd, uh, one of the teachers or the priest would lead that with this, with the... Statue of the Blessed Virgin, they carried that, like, you know, and all the little kids would be all dressed up and going along with their singing behind them and we'd all go out and have a look at them. <laughs> this programme was made with the support of Culture. For more information on this series, please visit nearfm.ie forward slash living hyphen archives. Living Archives is a growing collection. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please contact us at documentary at near.ie.